This was recorded at the 19th Chinwag Live event, Micromedia Maze, held at AdTech London on September 24th, 2008. Featuring on the panel Umar Hack of Havis Media Lab and Bubble Generation, Miles Lewis from Last FM, and Nick Halstead of Favorite, with digital media consultant Steve Bobrick chairing. It was sponsored by the UKTI and AdTech London. The event was produced by Julia Island and Chinwag editor Deirdre Malloy. Part two. Right, we're going to move on now. You can, you can wait now, be quiet, and there'll be some questions shortly. Umair now is going to tell us a little bit. Now, what I'm expecting from Umair, I don't know whether we're going to get some kind of incendiary, you know, sort of street level kind of story from the, uh, from the Gen Y hackers who are reinvent. I don't know what I'm on about here. But... So please. Umair, so, tell us what you're saying. So, who, who was here at the, at the last time we did this in, in this pub in Soho? Anyone? Yeah, apart from, apart yeah. from my oh, fellow I'm wondering why you're here now. and the Chinwag crew. Um, so, so, what I did then was I launched into this, like, gigantic rant, right, about, like, how we need to do, like, more interesting things with widgets and all of this stuff. So, I'm going to try and put that in a very different way because I think it's even more important right now. Um... So we all think that this micro stuff is really wonderful and, it, and it's cool, but it's really specific to media, and it's not. Um, and so what I want to do is approach widgets from a really big picture uh, point of view. So we all know that in the last couple of weeks, Wall Street has totally melted down, right? Those bastards have totally gotten screwed, right? So what was happening on Wall Street? It's the same stuff that we're doing now in media through widgets, right? So these guys discovered that they could slice and dice and microchunk securities in, in many different ways, right? And then resell them. They could remix them. And they could do wonderful things with them uh, when everybody was kind of hyper-connected. The problem that Wall Street had at the end, though, was that given this sort of explosion in possibilities for interaction, they were operating according to the same old paradigm, right? And so that paradigm was really simple, right? We know what it was. That paradigm is screw your customer, right? And this is, this is a big problem that we face in media today, right? Because we've got all this wonderful stuff and the ability to sort of remix stuff through widgets and make things really, really micro and then rebundle them and do wonderful things with them. But we are still operating according to a very old set of assumptions, right? And our key assumption, I mean, I'll give you one of the key assumptions in media, it's that, you know, consumers are there to have ads that suck forced down their throats, right? Ads that are costs on consumers. Um, and that's kind of what we're doing uh, with a lot of media or with a lot of widgets. And so what I think we really have to do is step back and realize that if we use widgets to bring the same old paradigm to life, that paradigm will eat itself in the same way that Wall Street ended up trading not just a little bit of toxic waste when things got remixable, they ended up trading huge amounts of toxic waste and the industry collapsed, right? We can very easily do the same thing in media and we are doing the same thing in media, right? So as ad, as ad inventory kind of explodes, more and more of the assets that we trade in the media industry are becoming kind of toxic waste, right? So the prices of ads are dropping and if you look around this place here, What's, what's immediately apparent is that 99% of these companies, God love them, are focused on making the same old paradigm and the same old industry and the same old value chain sort of 1% more efficient. Yeah? 
And that's really not going to fly. In an era where consumers don't have to watch ads anymore, in an era where consumers don't have to consume media they don't want to consume anymore. So our old, the stuff that we are trading is in danger of becoming toxic waste. And so what we need to do with widgets is kind of use them to remix better stuff, right? We, use, we need to use them to bring a new paradigm to life. So what I don't hear enough discussion about anywhere is what is that new paradigm, right? So I can give you two of my points of that new paradigm, something that we discuss a lot at the lab, right? And they're very simple. So one is ads have to become benefits for consumers, not nuisance costs that, that they pay. And another one is, uh, you know, media or communications have to help people develop their capabilities in some way. It can no longer be just about, you know, mindless zombified entertainment, right? So this is kind of some, and we can talk about, you know, new paradigms and all of this stuff, but unless we use widgets to do some of that kind of stuff, they are going to become the same kind of stuff that Wall Street ended up trading. And you can see the writing on the wall for the media industry, right? So the profits are kind of being sucked out of the industry. Uh, there's a lot of consolidation. There's a lot of pain. And, uh, you know, widgets, widgets offer us paths to reinvention, but, but I fear we're not often taking them. So that's my story. I, I like your image. I like the image that the, the, this, this um, cloud of tiny subdivided a aspects of our applications, our concept, out there on the net might actually not be a cloud at all, but rather something more malign, a kind of smog of, of nasty little widgets yeah. that don't do anything but, but, but well, look, impose I, a cost on the user. Well, I think the widgets are, are almost at this point neutral, right? But look at what Wall Street did. They sold a bunch of toxic waste to each other, right? Assets that are totally almost valueless, right? So what is the point of a widget? If the widget is just sending streams of ads back and forth, and consumers don't want to watch ads in the first place, right? To me, that's, that's the same thing that Wall Street did. So what we need to do is rethink why widgets are there and what we can do with them. And frankly, you know, I mean, I like the stuff that Last.fm is doing with, it, with its widget. I think that's a really cool widget that Favorite is doing too. But, you know, most of the widgets that are out there are glorified distribution mechanisms for the same old junk. And frankly, that's not going to fly. All it's going to do is amplify the devaluation of that junk, if you see my point. Yeah. And I like the idea. I mean, you are right. You look at the sidebar of the average fairly well-trafficked blog these days, there's a reasonable chance that it's already a blinking nightmare of, 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 of downloaded widgets that have been installed. So it's really, really, really maddening. I mean, look, widgets have a lot to do with what we think of as communication. So one of my favorite startups is a company called Kiva, right? And through Kiva, you can make microloans to entrepreneurs in emerging markets. And so, you know, I, have a, I don't know if Kiva has a widget, but they should, right? Because it would be really cool to go on somebody's website and click and check out sort of micro-entrepreneurs. Um, but that's also kind of rethinking the boundaries of media, right? And it's also kind of rethinking, like... How do we make money out of this stuff without just selling people, without just showing people crap that they don't want to see anymore? Yeah. Right? I, I, I'm warming to this idea, and I think one of the things we should do is, between us, we should probably launch some kind of website in which we classify widgets into benign, you know, kind of cuddly widgets. And evil widgets. And then a kind of a middle layer of, oh, okay, widgets, you know. And then this huge kind of toxic waste dump of really nasty widgets, the smog end of the, at the bottom of the stack. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because 
like, like we were just hearing, you know, one of the things that stops Last.fm from doing cooler things with its widgets is the idiotic sort of structures and, and rights arrangements, whatever we, want call, whatever we want to call them, the institutional arrangements within the, within the existing media industry, right? So what we also need to do is think about new things to do with these things. So we put pressure on kind of the fat cats to say, look, there's a better way. And if you don't play our game, we're going to take you out of, out of the game. Right? Yeah. I don't see us doing that. So. Well, of course, there's always a hope that if things go really, really badly wrong, we might be able to sell them all to George Bush for $700 billion. <laughs> You know, unload all those nasty. Yeah, I hope so. Now, but what I want you to do, actually, before we finish with you, Omer, is I want you to think just for a minute about uh, perhaps uh, uh, a more benign application. You've already mentioned Kiva, but what about uh, another example, perhaps, of a more benign application of a widget, whether at the business model level or elsewhere? What, what, would, be a, what, what would be a good example of this micro-phenomenon? So, okay, so let me, let me flip that around. So I gave you guys two of, two of the C's that we use at the lab. And so one of the C's was, you know, communications as benefits, not costs. Well, another one of the C's was capabilities. So another one of the C's is context is king, right? So these guys are doing something interesting because their widgets are really providing context for, for consumption, right? So the last FM widget, you can get information about music. The favorite widget, you can get information about blogs, I believe. Um, you know, and that's a cool thing to do. That's kind of a new thing to do. But you know, let's be frank, right? That stuff also devalues ads, right? So it's kind of a catch-22, right? That information is stuff that advertisers fight against, right? So, you know, I think it's cool that they're doing it, and what we need to do now is explore ways to really explode that and build new revenue models on top of it by using that kind of information to, to frankly, do interesting things that are not just about firms talking to companies, but maybe more about, sorry, companies talking to consumers, but more about Consumers talking back to companies, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so um, I'm going to try now to see if we can open this up to the audience and bring in some questions from you guys. I think we've learned already quite a lot, and I'm interested. There were three really quite different points of view there. So we learned about the practical application of widgets in a social media setting, uh, in this uh, blog aggregation, uh, social bookmarking setting where there are very simple practical benefits to using a widget and where you're not encumbered by, you know, the sort of hundred-year-old infrastructure of music or content ownership and all the rest of it. That's very interesting, very direct. And I think a lot of people will get a lot from that because if you've got a... What I'm hoping is that your minds are ticking over now and you're thinking, okay, well, we have some application functionality. We have some content. We have some interaction that we like to get done. I wonder if we could deliver a slice of that in a form that could be dragged into iGoogle or cut and pasted into a sidebar or even downloaded onto a desktop. Because, of course, a lot of the widgets that are out there, a lot of the micro applications that are out there run not on a website but on a desktop, on a platform like Yahoo's widget platform or Apple's. So that's interesting. We've also learned a bit about the really much harder-nosed, I'm going to say, commercial requirements of, uh, of a CBS subsidiary coming right from the heart of big media, the really hard-nosed requirements of a company building and rolling out widgets. We've also had a little bit of activism, a little bit of an idea of how we might push businesses to do right, to do good stuff in this micromedia environment. So let's now see if we've got any questions from the audience. Who'd like to ask one of the guys a question about what they're doing with micromedia, blogging, so on. Hands, a forest of hands. 
And there we are. We've got two hands already. It's marvellous. Gentleman there and then the lady next to him. Uh, okay. I was just wondering uh, what the panel thought about Widget Box, whether it's uh, a good thing or just a, a breeder of more of the evil widgets. What is it? Yeah. Uh, widget Box is a, it's a, a website that allows you to uh, create widgets on the fly um, directly through a web-based interface rather than paying some developer to develop your widgets. Um, and you can uh, develop widgets that work on Bebo, Facebook, MySpace, uh, iGoogle, the usual things. Okay. A kind of widget, widget tool set that allows you to create widgets from what? What do you have to provide? Um, it's just whatever you want. Like basically, if you have content on your site that you want to widgetize and okay. push out to, to right. different audiences, you can do that without having to get someone to, to develop bespoke widgets and applications on those platforms. Okay, Miles? Um, from our perspective, I'm just going to jump in, sorry. Yeah, um, I, I think we're open source, so actually would embrace that because everybody who's built widgets for us, unless they're commercial ones, um, can grab our code whenever they want to and mash it with whatever they want to and build a widget. Um, if it's commercial, then it's kind of slightly different. But as far as we're concerned, they were completely open source. And the Last.fm um, interface, I don't get it, but they can go and grab something and do something and then the widget's done. So fine for us. I think for us, we support Creative Commons, so we're always happy for people to take the content from our site. You know, we're, the blogosphere is all about Creative Commons, any site that where you can rebadge the content using easy tools. I think, I think the problem here really is that there's many of those sites and there's lots of sites that promise the ability to get those widgets delivered out onto a number of platforms. And you talked about, you know, things going onto desktops, but for the... Uh, my problem with a lot of this is it's still not mass market enough. Our, our site is all about trying to bring blogs to the mass market. And the real problem is there isn't a standard. You know, when Vista came out, I thought, wow, they've got, you know, um, widgets built in. And I uh, thought, right, it'd be really easy for you to drag a widget off the web page and straight onto your desktop and it would just carry on working. And, and you know, that's what my parents would definitely would want to be able to do, they're never going to go to a widget uh, editing site. You know, that's way beyond them. They can just about, uh, if, if I give my mum a, a web address, she types it into Google. So we're that kind of level. Yeah. So, so we, need, we need, it's more about the delivery for me rather than how they actually get built. That's a good point. Because the, 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 if you've ever actually tried to install a widget, even in the easiest conceivable environment, even perhaps in, a, in an environment where your, uh, your, your content management tool or your blogging tool has an automated procedure for installing widgets, it's still a pain in the neck. And there's still a reasonable chance that you'll wind up with a miniature 404 not found in your sidebar or similar. And it's very, very awkward. And of course, the fantasy here is that whenever you see an interesting-looking widget out there on the, uh, on the web that looks just... In, and it, and it, it's, it's still a fantasy at the moment, but what we really need to arrive at is a point where you can literally just right-click on that and choose, uh, choose the option, install this widget, or whatever. Perhaps drag-and-drop might be a better, a better metaphor there, but we're really inching towards that situation. But actually, the foundation technologies are there now in XML and in microformats and in other... All of the foundation technologies are there now, so we're just really waiting for some effort here from the standards bodies, um, and from others. And I, I know that Microsoft, for instance, 
Uh, they have their own sort of semi-proprietary format for widgets, which might or might not be helpful. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Google too. So there's there's a lot of interesting work in this environment, and the W3C, the World Wide Web Consortium, has its own emerging standards in this environment. It is very very important. Um, okay, I think there's a there's a there's an interesting point in your question, which is like. Uh, can widgets be like a source of competitive advantage for media company if you like, right? Which is like, can I have a widget that differentiates me from, from the other guys? And I think the answer is no, not really, right? So all this wonderful technology is coming out and we can do all these cool things with it, but so can everybody else, right? And so I think it goes back to the same point, which is like, what are we, what are we doing with this stuff? You know, like why don't we do more interesting stuff with it? Because if we, if we play the same old... Let me back up. So one of the things that's killing media is that we have no sources of competitive advantage left in this industry, okay? So we have guys like Facebook playing this insane game of trying to create walled gardens in, in an open, radically open internet, right? So we have all this stuff left over from the past hundred years and we're not building anything for the next hundred years, which is going to sort of sustain real value creation, um, if you like. And we approach it the wrong way and so that's a good question because the wrong way is to say, you know, I'm going to build a widget that you're not going to build. The right way would be to say, I'm going to build a widget that can do something interesting and then you can join me and we can all do it kind of together. If that makes sense. I think, I think it's, the... Uh, it's good. No, go ahead. I think, I think the problem at the moment really is motivation. And when I mean motivation of people building these widgets, at the moment, the developers are building them because they want you to install it. You know, we do it. We, we, we're developing widgets that we want you to install on your site, and therefore our priority is to make something that drives traffic back. So, so I totally agree with your model that, that that needs to change. The only way that's going to change, and why I talked about delivery onto uh, standard platforms, is the only way the paradigm's going to change is if uh, you start thinking about something like the Apple iPhone, and which was a real revelation to me, because when you... Uh, immediately can start installing things onto your iPhone literally at a single click. You browse and find something. To me, those are still widgets, you know, widgets and application, you know, whichever way you want to think about it. But I'm installing things on an iPhone because they're useful to me. And a lot of them are very widget-like, but there's a because there's a revenue model going the other direction, yeah. in then... Yeah. I, th I think that's a super important point, right? So, like, what are 90% of the widgets out there for, from an economic point of view, they're there to achieve one goal, which is kind of massive viral effect, viral distribution of something, right? And so, that's, that's a really old-school assumption, right? That's a really kind of media 1.0 thing, which is that, like, oh, let's, let's try and maximize the audience for this thing, right? And that's what viral effects are about. Let's try and grow the audience for this thing as much as possible. That's not really what next generation media is about, right? Having the biggest audience possible. So I think that's a really important point, right? So changing the paradigm is much bigger than what we're doing. There's, there's, one, there's one key element, though, for, for us. I think it really depends on whether you're working and thinking about a mass audience. Um, from my perspective, our, our audience is building widgets because they suddenly think, I want to do this, and it's social currency. So there's one guy out there, I can't remember his name. Um, I think it's Jim something or other. One day, he decided that um, he wanted to buy things off eBay, but he didn't know where the hell to search for all the things he wanted. So he mashed up Last.fm and eBay. You can put your Last.fm name into this widget, and it tells you all the things that are ending for sale in the next, I don't know, one minute, 50 minutes, two days, that's related to your music habits. Now, that, to me, is, is a, 
is a fantastic example of, of someone sitting in their bedroom. He's 19 years old, gone, now what can I do with this? Um, I, I, I don't want any money for it. Uh, but it's social currency. He puts it on to build, and everyone goes, gives him five stars, and it's been downloaded about eight times. It's not a huge user, but actually, when people find it, they go, bloody hell, that's good. You know? No, I think that's awesome. I think, in fact, I think that's in total agreement with what I'm saying, because that's not, that's not like a viral effect to try and gain massive reach, right? That's like, that's like almost a peering effect, right? Where the more people are using this thing, then uh, the, the stronger the network gets. But I think that's, that's awesome. That's I want to really cool. cut, though. If it gets bigger, I want to <laughs> cut from eBay. <laughs> I want to use that, thing, now, actually. Now, your question produced that 10 minutes of fascinating discussion. Yeah. Right now, you're in the lead as to productive questions, okay? Then you're next. Who's the average um, widget user is my big question. We've, I work for a medical research, research and health awareness charity. A bit charity. louder. Medical research and uh, health awareness charity. We developed an alcohol tra tracking widget. You put in, users put it on our iGoogle homepage. They put in what they drink every day. It pops it on a graph and tells them how much they're drinking. Great, brilliant, except most of our audience are middle-aged women. They don't use iGoogle. How, do we, how long do we have to wait until middle-aged women are using iGoogle or what, what has to happen for this to become um, a more widespread phenomenon than 19-year-olds mashing up eBay and their music habits in their bedroom. Actually, actually, I'll go last, because these guys probably have more relevant stuff to say. Um, we're a young site. You know, our, our average age is 12, 24, 12, 34. Um, and in reality, it's difficult for me to answer that from a point of view that um, if you're asking from the older perspective, but the mashup of, of Google Maps and Last.fm, i.e. where you're playing, we, we've had a, a huge instance of, of um, traditional old adult-oriented rock bands being put in, like, you know, um, Def Leppard. You know, where is he playing? Now, I wouldn't necessarily say that's a 19-year-old, but then again, it's very difficult to pigeonhole ages and music, because music just transcends. Um, so in reality... Our, our usage um, and our data from usage is, is, a, is across many ages. I think um, you can't force, I mentioned this, you can't force people down a pipe. If, if, if it's like anything, you know, the traditional media was, okay, you're watching a program, now we're going to pause it, you're going to watch a couple of ads, um, and then we're going to bring the program back. Same with, same with any, you know, all over digital, actually it's all the same. You can't force people to, 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 to use a widget. Um, the way to get it to the, your target market would be to target them virally, through an ad campaign, through PR, whatever it is, and um, do it in a traditional way, using traditional ways of targeting them. Uh, I, I think I'd just reiterate that because the, the, our users that actually do the installation of widgets are probably other blog owners. So, you know, they are the early adopters, they're techies. The, again, it comes back to delivery until platforms become standardized enough that it's literally drag and drop, you're not going to move into other markets. You know, that's, that's the end of the story, really. You know, there, there are, you know, the thing is, to the consumer market, they don't see the complexities behind these widgets. For, for every platform that is hosting them, there are, there's you know, thousands of complexities. And they are very, you know, the, the amount of development work that goes into delivering them onto these different platforms, mobile, desktop, are very, very different at the moment. Until they're standardized, you know, your mum and dad, my mum and dad, are not going to go near them. Yeah. 
so, so let me answer your question in a totally different way, okay? Which is like, why don't we have a new paradigm, right? And, and this is not just in media, but across business. And part of the reason is... We can't is, always have a new paradigm. No, but we really need a new paradigm because the economy is going to hell, right? So if we don't invent a new paradigm, we're, we're screwed for the next 10 years. So part of the reason is that we have forgotten the art of breaking open new markets, right? And so we can never break a new market if we ask questions like the one you just asked, right? So like Nintendo would have never made the Wii if they said, who is the average player of video games, right? So part of the promise of these things, these tools and these principles and these technologies is that we should use them to try and alter the fabric of the marketplace. And as a charity, you guys should be actively thinking about that, right? Because you guys have the greatest opportunity to reinvent your market that you've had in probably 100 years. And some of the most interesting startups today are in fact kind of on the edge of charities and real businesses, right? If you take a company like Kiva, or even, or even if you look at a Wikipedia, right? So I urge you not to think in those terms at all, frankly. Question here, very good. Microphone coming up. No, I, I just wanted to come back on this. Why, why does, or why do you have to force someone to use the widget to, you know, score their alcohol? You can do it on a piece of paper. I mean, I'm not, I'm not following that sort of... I don't get the question. I'm following on from your comment about it. You know, this guy wants to know why his mom, how to get his mom, or does he have to wait for her to be online? He doesn't. She can do it on a piece I, of paper. No, no, no. So, so you're missing my point. All I'm saying is that we can use these things as tools to break open new markets, yeah? So if you look at Nintendo and the Wii, yeah. 10 years ago, we never imagined old people would be playing video games, yeah? So the trick is, how do we get them to do it? I can't answer that question for you. That's the question he has to answer, right? But what I'm saying is we can definitely use these things as tools to break open new markets. So, so a, a, a general question, though. Maybe more at the last FM. Is it kind of was it kind of fortuitous that CBS bought you guys? It, I'm not hearing a business model here. I'm not hearing that you guys will ever be anything but an amazingly cool service, which I love, by the way. And you you hinted at a couple of really an interesting some ways of monetizing it. The eBay thing, commissions there, the sort of the album sale commissions didn't really take off. Um, maybe ticket sales from concerts, but you're not getting those either. So is it just a cool service and that's all it'll ever be? Do you work for Pandora? Um, well, <laughs> so um, there, there's four pillars. So the, the first one is, is commercialization of, of traditional advertising means. So, you know, ads, um, sponsorships, the usual way that we would get an agency like Havas to say, yes, we've got, a, we've got client X, we'll spend money. The second one is the affiliates. So you listen to songs, and below it is either iTunes or Seven Digital or Amazon, um, and we get a kickback from that. Um, the third one is subscriptions, which at the moment is is a huge one pound a month, which goes a long way to pay for quite a lot. Um, and the fourth one um, will be on a business development side, where you know I was mentioning last time in a box, where a client like um, I don't know, let's say a retailer. Um, when people are shopping online, it's, it's, they say, well, hang on a minute, well, we, we play music in store, so can we, can we borrow some music? We can't, we can't Debenhams can't go and, and get the rights to EMI songs, but you got it. We produce the last of them in a box, they take it from us, um, and then they uh, put an ad in that box, we take a share off that, everyone's happy. It's four pillars. Um, it's, it's quite right to say that at the moment, um, it's, it's, a, it's a cool site, and it's not necessarily making a huge amount of money but the commercial team's only been in existence um, for nine months. Um, it took four years to build the users up to 21 million. Um, I will uh, ask me in 12 months' time, 
but I will, I will um, put money on it. We'll, we will be breaking even very soon, and we'll make money in 12 months. There. That was good stuff, wasn't it? A quite honest response. I like that. Now, let's see if we can get... Now, Deirdre, wake up. What time is it? And how long have we got? <laughs> how long have we got? We've got one minute. Goodness me. So let's see if we can get another question in. Who's, who's uh, eager to learn a bit more about widgets before we finished? There must be someone. I'm going to just pick someone. This man's got another one. Where are you from, by the way? Where I'm... Yeah, which business? I, I, social media platforms. But just in general. Unnamed. unnamed. Okay. Unnamed. <laughs> An unnamed social media platform. Which, uh, each of your favorite widgets. Top widget you, you use the most. I don't even use the internet. <laughs> I tell you, I use. Uh, I've I've been I've been from uh, having no widgets at all a couple of years ago on my own personal blog, going up through having so many of them that the right the right hand sidebar is on the floor and you have to scroll a yard and a half to get my photographs and everything else. So literally, I think all I'm displaying right now would probably be my delicious bookmarks, which I think is just a phenomenally simple and powerful way of communicating a little bit about who I am and what I'm into and so on. Uh, and, and, and I guess my Flickr photo stream. And it's, only, it's coincidental that they're both Yahoo properties. But. I, th I think with the growth of Twitter, I think the, for my, my own blog is, yes. the, is the Twitter widget, just so people can see the last 10 stupid things I've said on Twitter. You want to put on the stupid filter, and then you only got the sensible things. And uh, Miles? Don't um, say Miles there. No, no. Um, oh, God. Um, I, I, I have to deal with a lot of people around the world, so I've got some, some world clocks, but I'm also into Formula One, so I've got, a, I've got an F1 widget that um, updates with really interesting information, as I'm sure you can imagine, um, daily. Um, and I love it, and my office thinks I'm completely mad. And actually, as a, as a final question, thank you, because I think it sort of rounds things off quite nicely. Not least because I think that I think Mayor has put his finger on it by saying that actually the principal task for the industry here is not to roll out millions and millions more widgets, but rather to make sure that when we do, we populate them with some interesting, relevant, meaningful, valuable, beneficial content. With that, thank you very much to everyone. Thank you to the panel. Thank you to Chinwag for organizing it. And uh, thank you to me for chairing it. Chinwag Live on Tour Micromedia Maze at AdTech London on September 24th, 2008 was a Chinwag production, sponsored by the UKTI and AdTech London. For more information, please visit www.chinwag.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>